Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Hi, my name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, and I'm a geoholic. Thank you for tuning in to another data-rich edition of Bad Elf's 60 Seconds of Spatial News. We at Bad Elf live our lives 60 spatial seconds at a time, and we know you do too. As always, our goal is to cram the most relative spatial news content into the shortest space and time possible. For this week's spatial news, we will be discussing automobile data and its influence on mobility and transportation mapping. Recently, geospatialworld.net released an article discussing how Weijo, spelled W-E-J-O, a world leader in connected vehicle data, is hosting two events at large conferences discussing their car mapping data. These events are Move America and the Esri Partner conference, which coincidentally took place last week. Weijo's discussion topics related to how car data are transforming mobility around the world. You may be asking, who the heck is Weijo? And you wouldn't be alone. Weijo is a global leader in what is called connected cars. These cars generate data about specific locations, engine status, and many other features like door locking. Perhaps you've heard about Tiger Woods' recent car crash. In this investigation, the authorities are currently looking at Tiger's SUV's black box to see the conditions of the automobile during the accident. These are the types of data Weijo collects. They also boast about 10.6 million active cars on the road collecting data with 336 billion miles of curated data, 8.6 trillion points from about 42.3 billion individual journeys. To say the least, it seems that they have a huge sample of data to rely on. If you're in the data mapping business, I recommend checking them out. They claim the connected car industry is going to be huge by 2030, uh, nearing a billion dollars annually. It could really be worth your time. All right, that does it for this week's Bad Elf's 60 Seconds of Spatial News. We hope you enjoyed our selected story of the week. As always, if you have any questions about this news, about Bad Elf's global positioning solutions, or any other pressing existential thoughts about the cosmos, please feel free to contact me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channel. Live long and prosper, y'all. Just a quick note to express our appreciation for the 2021 Friends of the Program for their continued support. Please consider their products and services as they have special promos for Geoholics listeners. Aerotech Mapping Inc., ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys Inc., AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS, Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley, CobbFenley.com, Cyanic Automation, cyanicautomation.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, diamondbacklandsurveying.com, get kids into survey, get kids into survey.com, Land Surveyors United, landsurveyorsunited.com, Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz, Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com, Parkland Community College, parkland.edu forward slash land dash surveying, Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us, and last but not least, Tiger Supplies, tigersupplies.com. Hello, Geoholics. Thank you so much for listening to the Geoholics podcast. And we couldn't be happier that you're here with us. Shoots, the spotlight is on you. What did you dig up for episode 74? Mr. Merlin Olson.
I don't know if you guys are familiar Absolutely. with him. Absolutely. Uh, 1962, yeah. the years that the Mets were formed. I don't know. I got to throw that out there. Shameless plug. There you go. First round, number three overall pick by the LA Rams. He was also drafted in the AFL, but he stuck with the Rams. Spent his entire 15-year career there. 14 times he was a pro bowler in 15 years. That's pretty impressive. Very much so. Five-time first-team All-Pro. He was rookie of the year in 62. Uh, 1982, he was inducted into the National Football Hall of Fame, and the Rams retired his number 74. I feel like that's a requirement that your number needs to be retired by at least your team, if not the entire sport, to be, you know, the episode special. But uh, also, after his football career, he was an actor. Yeah, wasn't he? Uh, didn't he? Wasn't he a commentator also? Yeah, yeah. he did, he broadcasted, yeah. and then he was a yeah. he was an actor. He did some stuff with like John Wayne and stuff. Yeah. From is he still I, alive? Do you know? No, he died oh, in two thousand ten. Two thousand ten, okay. age of sixty nine. You're full of facts tonight. I read it all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, there we go. So there's so much going on right now in the geomatics world. As you guys know, next week is one of, if not the best week of the year, that being National Surveyors Week. I'm so freaking excited about this. The geoholics are going to be ever everywhere actually virtually of course i highly recommend that you follow us on all of our social media outlets to keep up with everything that we have going on it's going to be huge as they say huge <laughs> yep we've got uh we've got something going on every day next week actually with the bad owl folks so every day at like eight o'clock in the morning i think our time but either, anyway get the details off of our social media pages we got something going on with trimble trimble live this week something with monson engineering next week something with the folks from australia next week so lots of really cool stuff going on quick thank you uh to big shoots and the lovely carrie for inviting the entire geoholics crew into their home for what is now the annual <laughs> geoholics st patrick's day feast episode we're my set up house in, smells good every it, year oh my god it smells so good we're <laughs> set up in shoots this game room surrounded by all things uh all things new york mets and of course the wonder boy bat i can see it right out there behind shoots so awesome still hoping that one time i'll come over here and i'll see that bubble hockey game sitting right in the middle yeah, of the game room someday this table will have to be moved out but. And, and we'll both be sleeping in the guest room of course <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get out of this pj tell us about that opening number all right guys the song you just heard was cage the elephant in One Ear. So Cage the Elephant is an American rock band from Bowling Green, Kentucky that formed in 2006. They relocated to London, England in 2008 before their first album was released. Said first album, Cage the Elephant, was released in 2008 to much success, spawning several successful radio signals, singles and gained the band a large following in both the United States and the United Kingdom. They were influenced by classic rock, 90s alternative, blues, punk rock, and funk music. They won the Grammy Award for Best Rock Album twice in 2017 for Tell Me I'm Pretty and 2020 for Social Cues. And that song is definitely in my golf playlist. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. It, it is solid when one. you're out on the course. I uh, actually saw KG Elephant at a little bar just outside of Really Field called the Cubby Bear. And it held like maybe 100 people. This goes back a number of years, of course. But uh, unbelievable show live. Those guys are great. And our guest today is a big KG Elephant fan, which is why we chose that, uh, that particular song. So quick shout out to this week's highlighted friend of the program. This week we have Nettleman Land Consultants, better known as NLC. Let's be honest, passing any licensing exam is tough as these exams were created to comprehensively test your surveying knowledge. Improve your odds and upgrade your land surveying knowledge with NLC's Fundamental of Surveying, Principles and Practice of Land Surveying, California PLS, and Texas RPLS Test Prep Products. <laughs> That's a mouthful. NLC's primary mission is to educate others through expert witness 
Consulting, Live and Online Continuing Education, Land Surveying Test Preparation, and University Course Lectures. NLC Prep's vision is to help create the next generation of professional land surveyors by preparing students for state and national surveying licensing exams. Find out more by simply visiting www.nlcprep.com. Easy enough. Sounds good, right? I wish I had that back in the day. Uh, weekly pod word. Let's get into this here. Uh, I'm going to make this one really easy. Let's just say it's nettleman. That's easy enough. Yep. You want to spell that one out? There's, or There's going to be a quiz here in about five seconds. Shoot. So, guys, <laughs> so a quick reminder to be eligible for this month's listener prize. Being a really cool and highly desirable safety apparel safety pack, it's really simple. Jot down or make mental note of each week's pod word and email all of them to us by the end of the month. One more time, the pod word for this week is? Nettleman. Nettleman. You got all it this right. week. Yeah, yep. paid attention. Yep, yep. <laughs> Can't fool us, shoots twice. <laughs> or three times. <laughs> Fell for it once or twice, or you're not going to fool me again. Oh, man. All right, let's catch up with the fellas. PJ, what's new, man? I know you had a good weekend. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I had a great weekend. Uh, a lot of sailing. I uh, went out to San Diego, flew out in the morning. We sailed on the bay and then flew back that same night. Um, and yesterday, I bought a boat, so I am for what? officially what? an what? owner of what a boat. What happened here? Dude, this yeah. is new. When did this happen? It, it happened very quickly, but Presley and I went up yesterday, and there was um, the the sailing club that I'm a part of here in Arizona. Yeah. They had a boat that I think the owner like passed away or something, so it was donated to the club, and they sell it to like raise money or whatnot. And it was it just worked out perfectly. It just it's a little boat, 14 foot boat. Nice. Um, it goes out on Tempe Town Lake. But proud owner of the boat. It's still sitting up there. We still got. I, I went like and saw it, it yesterday, but we got to go get it so the next thing we got to figure out a name for it so i don't know if we need to do some sort of like sweepstake or something oh, but it's the geoholic Chase, chasing pj <laughs> it's that simple yeah my chasing thing, pj i like that i'd be a little weird i don't know buying a dead guy's boat that, yeah, that'd that be was a little a creepy you bought know. a dead man's boots before they were given to me oh okay well, this that is- makes it okay <laughs> That's a little know. more intimate, a boat. <laughs> it it was in great condition. It's a 1964, so it's, it's older than my dad, yeah. But it's been it's been stored inside. It's got a great condition. Came with a whole bunch of good stuff. So I am so excited for you. Oh that is goodness. awesome. That, yep. that is a surprise. So right I wanted to keep that undercover and reveal it live. You did so. a good yeah. job at it. Well done, well. sir. Brian, top that. Uh, I had a fantastic weekend. I thought I was going to one-up Jake and say we went to the Xfinity Series. The ever-generous Trent Keenan sponsored his car for uh, Diamondback Land Surveying. Who was it? CJ Yealy? Uh, JJ Yealy. JJ Yealy, yep. the driver. He started yep. in 33rd, got to 12th place. We had yep. a great time hanging out with him. Uh, met the infamous brother and sister-in-law and, uh-huh. and the lovely Lisa. So it was a great time with them. Uh, other than that, that was it was a quiet weekend after that. I was, I was exhausted after a full day at the races. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible day. Just a great experience. And from a gambling perspective, uh, JJ Went out at plus seventy five thousand. PJ. Wow! I put ten. I, I put ten yeah. bucks on him. Yeah. Did you imagine? Could he, you imagine? He was in the top ten. He for was a moving while. up. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. There's no way this is gonna freaking happen. So That's a great shy. value bet. Great value bet. <laughs> great value. Yeah. But just uh, just to reiterate, an awesome experience. Thanks again to uh, Trent Keenan and Diamondback Land Surveying for the invite and continued support of the Geoholics. And by by the way, did you know that you can bet on freaking professional darts? Darts. Oh, wow. Is it anything on, uh, on that site, huh, Bavada? Yeah, yeah. Have you been doing that? or? Well, you know what? <laughs> I'll, 
I'll tell you this. I cashed in my Bovada account. And, and the reason is once I found myself wagering on something I have had absolutely yeah. zero knowledge of, I'm like, I, I got to stop. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking DJ. If it's here. not something you can watch on TV or sit down and watch, it's yeah. probably not worth betting. Oh, my God. Total DJ. Total DJ. So no more. I'm done. That, that, you're, that ship you're is cashed sailed. out. It's cashed done. out. Yep. Like even when football season comes back around. Yep. I'm done. I'm we'll done. check in around then. I got, I gonna, I got I it out of my say. system. When, <laughs> when he's sitting in the gutter. <laughs> I was betting on those darts again. For this week, anyways. Right? <laughs> I did start watching one new outlier sport. Uh, indoor bowls it's called b-o-w-l-s it's like lawn bowling but it's on like this i don't know this concave type playing surface and they roll these stones i mean they're not quite it's not like a ball it's almost like an oblong type thing but you got to check it out it's almost it's, it's curling like a, like a bocce ball meets curling say, bocce a little curling. bit like that a little okay. bit like that yeah but it's super super cool really it's a awesome concave where it funnels oh, in a little bit yep, exactly Yep. Yep. And I, I checked to see if there was a bowls club in Phoenix. And unfortunately the only thing they have is like lawn bowling clubs in Sun City. So And how much did you lose on that this weekend? Yeah. <laughs> before, lo- before you close the account. <laughs> like, trust me, I looked and you can't bet on it. <laughs> All right. So where are we at with the sort of safety share? Let's get on with the safety share. Shoots, what do you got for the safety share this I week? I got choosing the correct fire extinguisher. Mm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. Sure. Uh, the lovely Carrie's dad has always given us a fire extinguisher every time we've gotten a new house, and he he's big big on that. So there are five classes of fire extinguishers. I had no idea of this. I'm going to run through this as fast as I can, so please keep up and follow up. Uh, class A extinguishers put out fires in ordinary combustible materials such as cloth, wood, rubber, paper, and many plastics. Class B extinguishers are used on fires involving flammable liquids such as grease, gasoline, oil, and oil-based paints. Class C extinguishers are suitable for use on fires involving appliances, tools, or other equipment that is electrically energized or plugged in. Class D extinguishers are designed for use on flammable metals and are often specific for the type of metal in question. These are typically found only in factories working with these metals. Makes sense. Class K fire extinguishers are intended for use on fires that involve vegetable oils, animal oils, or fats in cooking appliances. These extinguishers are generally found in commercial kitchens, such as those found in restaurants, cafeterias, and caterers. Class K extinguishers are now finding their way into the residential market for their use in the kitchen as well. So ran through that as fast as I could, but make sure if you're just looking for one for your house, you just probably need a class A or B at most. But if you want to be safe, go with the class K. You know what? We need to go back and listen to last year's episode that we recorded here. Because I am almost positive you use the same safety share. Did I? Or, or I use the same safety share back then. Did you? I think so. Because then we had a conversation about, like like you said, get, having a fire. Where's your fire extinguisher at? It's in the closet. The closet. Yeah, I yeah. remember having this conversation. <laughs> I keep mine by the the laundry, like washer and dryer. Yeah, it's right yeah. over there in the closet by yeah. that. Yep. And we had one that was super old, and I was curious of what it would do. And Let's I go got, shoot it. So No, I did. And it went... Pfft. <laughs> oh yeah so Expired. yeah you definitely want to keep them up to date because that one uh, literally would have done nothing and uh the other thing that i read with that was if you are not sure of your firefighting skills yep evacuate mm. so keep that in mind good suggestion 
Good suggestion. All right, let's get on with this. Our guest this evening is Jake Williams. So a little bit about Jake, born and grew up in Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C. He attended St. Mary's College of Maryland. Go Seahawks. How many of you knew that? <laughs> Zero. None. Zero. Couple notable alumni. And PJ, I know you're a big you know, water sports guy, so you should know these folks. Sure. Jesse Kirkland. Do you know who Jesse Kirkland is? I don't. So Jesse Kirkland, Olympic men's sailing 49er representing Bermuda in 2012. How dare you yeah. not know that, I knew Jake. that there's a lot of sailing that goes on there. You like, are a boat owner. Yep. And the I other should, one. Yeah, now, now I know. I'll never forget that. <laughs> the other one is Bruce Merritt. Do you know him? Uh-uh. So Bruce, he, uh, he was an Olympic sprint canoeist in 1984. Wow. Yep. Go Seahawks. These are <laughs> obscure, my man. <laughs> All right. His, uh, Jake's hobbies include hiking, biking, and Dungeons and Dragons. Ooh. And Jake is the Future City Competition Program Coordinator, which is why he is with us this evening. Jake, welcome to the Geoholics. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Well, all right. Well, we're going to have some fun. So I... <laughs> I don't, I don't know the first thing about Dungeons and Dragons, but I am always interested in talking to folks to play it. Um, the problem is I don't even know what to ask. So I know there's like warlocks and dwarfs and dungeon masters and dice and yeah, and that in itself sounds like a freak show, which is probably why I, it interests me. But seriously, it's been around for like 50 years. You guys believe that? It's crazy. <laughs> no. Is it? So, Jake, I'm asking you, is, is it still a board game at this point or is everything like virtual or online? So it's a role-playing game. So it all kind of takes place in your mind. And the way we do it is sometimes the person leading it will have maps that they'll draw um, and, uh, you know, use dice. And it's a, it, it doesn't take place on a board like a traditional board game, but, uh, you know, it's people getting together and making decisions about what they want to do in a made-up situation. Um, it's the kind of thing where typically you hear people uh, do Dungeons and Dragons when they're young and they kind of grow out of it. And I was kind of the opposite where I did it a couple times when I was young, but not that much. And I really only got into it when I was at, after college as a young adult. I kind of did it the opposite way. Um, but it's a really kind of fun activity. And especially now um, when a lot of stuff, uh, you know, this past year when things have kind of moved to being more virtual, it's a, a kind of fun social thing that can be done over Zoom pretty easily. And it's, you know, for, for a lot of us who are, you know, spending a lot of time in front of our screens and emails and stuff, it's nice to kind of shift to something and have an activity that's a little more, um, you know, you don't have to look at anything. You just think about stuff. It's kind of, uh, kind of fun. Well, the most important question is, can we bet on it? <laughs> well, <laughs> is it on Bovada? <laughs> Might take a little bit of creativity, but definitely a way. I mean, anything with dice, you can. Yeah, you can I, I was going to say we should we should find a game master, hire a game master, and do an episode where we, I've seen other podcasters do that. Oh, really? Yeah, where you do a game through podcast hmm. and record oh. it. Uh oh, Jake, you're going to be back. Yeah. So, yeah, lots of lots of uh, very successful D and D podcasts, or maybe yep. some sort of a crossover at some point. Wow. I think it would be a lot of fun. It's a lot of creativity. So, like my impression is, these games go on forever. Is that not the case? Or can it's you a like, however long you want? Right? Oh, Jake? it is okay. Yeah, it uh, it really depends. We we have one a game called Campaign now that um, uh, the dungeon master who was leading it thought we would finish in about two weeks, and we've been doing it for about four months now. So it could <laughs> just keep to adding, us being very adding. Slow. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, you know you can you can go off and you know have have some kind of random activity that no one was planning to do, and that's kind of 
part of it. Just kind of go with the flow. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that. Let's kind of reel this back in. I'll try to refocus and kind of reset myself <laughs> here. Um, so you being the future city competition program coordinator, how about we talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Okay. Let's kind of start off from the beginning and tell people a little bit about the future city competition, you know, talk about the history of the competition. How did it get started and how long has it uh, been around? Yep. So the future city competition um, will have been around for 30 years next year. We're going to be celebrating our 30th anniversary. Um, it is a STEM competition, specifically focusing on engineering for middle school students, uh, where participants um, imagine and design and create a city that's set at least 100 years in the future. Um, and every year there's a new theme or challenge uh, that's included so that in addition to creating the city from scratch, uh, these young people have to address a specific challenge um, and go into detail about how their city will solve a problem that, that we're facing in real life often. Um, the structure of it is that there are 40 different regions throughout the United States, and we also have international regions, international programs in China and Canada, um, in Nigeria and in Egypt too. Um, and every year these regional competitions take place. And in a typical year, uh, the first place winning team from every region wins a trip uh, to Washington DC to compete in the finals. They get coverage of airfare and hotels and most meals. Um, and they get to compete for the grand prize along with all the other first place, uh, first place teams um, from around the world. Um, it's a program that is really fun and exciting and, and really cool as a competition, but in some ways even more than that, it is an educational program where one of the things we're really proud about is that it, for many, many of the participants, it's their very first time experiencing or encountering engineering at all. Um, they learn what engineering is through that. Um, and the same with concepts like, like surveying and project management, which are kind of baked into the program. Um, for a lot of the, the young people who do it, you know, this is their first time learning what those things are. So when you say they have like a problem or a dilemma that's different every year, what was the last one that you could bring that up as an example? Yep. So we are um, close to to being at the finals for this current season. So this past year, the teams have worked on a challenge called the Lunar City. Um, so every team has created a city that's set on the moon. And within that, they have to um, identify two unique moon resources and describe how their city uses those resources um, to make sure that their residents are safe and healthy. Um, so some have used solar energy, some have used uh, regolith, there's been things about um, incorporating the low gravity and um, all kind of mining materials um, that, you know, these, these folks, these, these kids have done research on real things on the moon and then kind of let it go wild and explored um, kind of all kind of creative, interesting ideas about what, what could be the case in a hundred years. Now would be a good time to mention that Jake has property on Mars. Yeah, I was going to say, when, whenever you guys do the future city on Mars, I'd like to be involved in that. <laughs> Judge I'll BJ. You, you so the competition, I mean, what age group is it kind of catered or designed for? Yep, so it's 6th, 7th, and 8th grade students, so that kind of 11 through uh, 13 age range. Um, that's uh, who the participants are. 
Okay. And then uh, as far as the projects themselves, how are they judged? Are there certain is there specific criteria that the kids are made aware of ahead of time? Yep. So there's a whole structure of, the, we call them deliverables that each team creates, the content that they make that's then judged um, by the, the volunteer judges. Um, so what they are, are there's five deliverables that they create. Um, the first is an essay. So it's a 1500 word essay that kind of outlines their city, what it's like to live there. It goes into some detail about the challenge, how that works. Um, the second deliverable is a model. So they create a scale model made out of recycled or reused material. Um, and it has to have at least one moving part incorporated into the model itself. Uh, they also create a project plan, uh, which is sort of a roadmap for them. They identify their goals at the beginning. They assess throughout the project how they can best achieve those goals. It's really helpful for um, when they're working together as a team, figuring out the best way to, to work together as a team and who needs to do what. Uh, the fourth deliverable is the presentation. So it's a presentation that they present uh, to uh, judges. Um, and then there's a live Q&A where judges ask the team questions um, about their city, about the work that they did, their project, um, kind of get more in depth about um, the, the, the work that they put into it and what they came up with. Well, you said this year is about all being on the moon and all that stuff, but uh, the, the elephant in the room is COVID. What changes have been made due to COVID? Yeah, so we, we kind of went through this whole process of, of re making some adjustments and changing some stuff around so that we could still have the competition this year. Um, so we readjusted several of the deliverables um, about, a, about a year ago, we started working on that shift. Um, so for example, the model in a normal year, the model would be one single kind of large tabletop model that the whole team gets together, works on. Um, this year they could do that if they wanted, or they could make individual model segments. So we had some teams that uh, you know, worked on, you know, one kid would work on the transportation system. They have a smaller piece of the model that shows how the transportation system works or shows different you know, residential zones versus commercial zones or uh, a piece of the model that illustrates one of the moon resources and how it's, how it's um, manufactured or, or mined or, or whatever. Um, and then instead of having judges look at those in person um, because it's virtual, the teams would put together pictures of the model and the model segments and brief descriptions and a short video that showed the moving part. Um, they've put all this into a preset template, um, a PowerPoint or Google Slides template, uh, and then judges would be able to review that um, from their own home or work. Um, they would go through and, and each kind of team has laid out the work that they've done with their model. Um, the other big change was the presentation. Normally the presentations happen in person. This year they were done as um, up to seven minute long videos. Um, and this was a big change. We've never done anything like this with Future City, um, but it actually turned out really well. Um, a lot of really cool, creative uh, work that the, the kids did for these video presentations. Um, some of them are kind of like tours of their model. Um, others presented them as you know things like um, a, a newscaster. So you'd have a moon newscaster reading the story about uh, um, you know, this, this lunar city. Um, other ones did things where they recorded the video on their phone 
um, and did it as if it was like an astronaut's video journal. Um, so some really cool creative ideas of presenting this, you know, pretty, pretty complex sometimes um, work that they'd done um, and, and showing it in a kind of innovative way. So I'm dying to know, do you still have access to any of the deliverables or models from 30 years ago? Uh, we definitely have some pictures. Um, we have old handbooks, materials like that. Yes, there's, you know, there's, there's a point in the past where the record keeping got better. So we, you know, it would be great to have more of that material from 30 years ago. But there's, there's still some, uh, some of it around for sure. I would just, I'd love to see the yeah. evolution and mm-hmm. how they've been improved over the last 30 years. I'm sure it's absolutely mind-boggling. One, one, I mean, right when you hear Future City, the first thing I think of, especially when you talk about years and years ago, is Epcot and how like Walt Disney oh, yeah. had that. that yep. And you know I had to bring that up, yeah. but yep. about what he thought the Future City would look mm-hmm. like. So like, I think that's kind of interesting when you look back and especially what, it, how, what he thought right now we'd be living in yep. and kind of comparing it to what we're actually living in now. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. He has failed Walt Disney so badly. <coughs> yeah, poor guy. <laughs> Sorry, bud. What, what are some of the other settings? Like you'd mentioned the moon is this time around. What are some of the other settings that you guys have placed this future city model in? Mm-hmm. So normally actually we don't set a specific setting. There's a, there's a challenge that they have to deal with, but we normally let them kind of set their city wherever they want. Um, and this was kind of a, a, an unusual year because we specifically said, you know, you have to do it on the moon. Um, uh, last year, the theme was all about resiliency and creating a safe, um, resilient power grid um, for your city in the event of a natural disaster. Um, we've had um, challenges about having safe, clean drinking water um, for your residents. Um, a few years ago, we had a best age-friendly city, um, all about creating a city that's meets the, the needs of um, older people. Um, so there, there are all kinds of different, each year it's a different, uh, kind of direction of, you know, here's something as you're, you know, the person in charge of this whole thing, you can design whatever you want, you know, keep in mind this, keep in mind this. And often, um, they are related to, to issues like the, the drinking water, like the, the power grid that, you know, are, are pretty, uh, salient, pretty important for our time now, right, you know, right now, maybe, uh, moon resources are not at the front of mind for most people, but very likely they will be in the not too distant future. Um, but typically the challenges are, are some sort of sustainability related um, issue that really gets the kids thinking about, you know, not just something a hundred years from now, but how are our cities designed today and how can they be d- designed and redeveloped uh, even to be even better? Yeah, you know, I was just thinking you probably could send last year's winner to the folks in Texas. I was just probably say sell that, that idea <laughs> to them. <laughs> so the, the the middle aged kids, how how was this competition promoted? How do these kids find out about it? Um, so a lot of it is word of mouth. Um, a lot of it is someone does it and they have a really good time. Sometimes uh, one of the kids, one of the middle school students, um, sometimes the teachers, the educators, um, every team is led by an educator who's an adult facilitator, often a classroom teacher, but doesn't need to be a classroom teacher. Sometimes it's an after-school administrator. Um, sometimes it's uh, someone from a, a club or organization. We have scout troops, 4-H clubs, YMCAs, all these kind of org- organizations and clubs can, can um, create a team, have a team. Um, so sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's the team's official mentor, who's a STEM uh, professional who works with the team um, to kind of show them kind of a window into the real world of what's it like to be an engineer or a city planner or a surveyor or whatever um, their specific field is. They kind of guide them along the process. 
Um, so it's a lot of it is that you know word of mouth. You know, someone did it; they had a good experience, and they share it with their friends or their colleagues. Um, they get the word out. Um, it's also uh, often promoted over uh, social media. Um, if anyone's interested on Facebook or Future City competition. Um, so often educators who are looking for um, a, a fun, accessible, interesting, engaging project focused um, activity, um, they kind of stumble across us. Um, we also have new this year, the first episode just aired, um, just dropped um, a video series that's on mm. our website, futurecity.org. Um, and it's really fun, short kind of video series um, that follows several different teams from this past year, um, kind of from the beginning of the work that they did, um, going to competition, what that's like. And then it interviews some people who are involved as either mentors or other um, kind of professionals involved with Future City in different ways. Um, so the first episode is available now and in the next coming weeks, the, the next several episodes will be available too on futurecity.org. He made himself 20 years younger when he said the first episode aired. And then he was like, I mean, drop. Yeah. <laughs> right. He was going yeah. with the kids, you know, trying to, yeah, to exactly. fit in with them. Uh, you say all the social media stuff and everything. How do, how do kids use those tools to get involved and find out more? Like they'll find it out on there, but how to get involved and actually sign up for the competition. Do they need a mentor of some sort, a teacher or something like that? Yeah, so they need, uh, they don't necessarily need a mentor, um, but they just need uh, an educator, an adult facilitator. Um, so that's the person who actually registers at futurecity.org and then creates the team. Um, so if there's a young person who is interested, I would say, you know, the kind of first place is check to see if your school already has uh, a Future City program, because often they do, people may or may not know about it. Um, if they don't have a future city program, ask someone to start one, ask a, a teacher or an administrator if, if you can start one. The, the minimum number of student participants on a team is three. Uh, a lot of regions allow for more than three students on a team, so you can have you know, much larger teams, but you only need three to start. Um, so that's pretty pretty easy to kind of get get going if you're interested. Um, and then, like I said, you know, if, if not at your school, there are, you know, you can set up a team with a club or organization. Um, there, we have homeschool groups. There's, there's a lot of ways to get involved. Um, and everything is kind of laid out in the resources that are at futurecity.org. We have a program handbook that kind of goes through the whole process. It shows exactly what you need to do. We have some folks who do it, um, who don't formally compete. They just kind of use some of the resources um, kind of on their own time, um, which is a totally, totally cool thing to do. That's that's great. Um, but if you are interested in um, doing it more formally and actually competing, um, those regional competitions typically, normally in a regular year, take place in January. And then the finals take place um, President's Day weekend um, in February. This year, um, things are a little bit different because we've shifted things around to be virtual, um, and we have the finals live stream happening on April 7th, um, and that's going to be free, available, live streamed to everyone. So if anyone is interested in watching that, you just go to futurecity.org on April 7th, 1 p.m. Eastern, uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time, um, and we'll be announcing the winners, we'll be announcing special awards. Um, it's, it's, uh, again, one of the kind of silver linings to things being virtual is it's open, open to everyone, no matter where you are in the country, in the world, you can tune in and, and be a part of it. So what type of prizes are awarded? 
So the first place team wins $7,500 for their school or organization's STEM uh, program. And they also, the team also wins a trip to space camp. Um, You're going to space camp. (laughs) It's like (laughs) all those game shows when I was a kid. Jake's going to want to get in on this. Space camp. That's always something I wanted to do, space camp. (laughs) I have not been, but I've, I've been involved in the booking of it for the first place teams, and it looks very fun. It looks very cool. Um, and that's that's the prize in general. That's not just because this year's theme is is the moon. It just kind of fits extra extra well, but that's our, our typical first place prize. Nice. Did you see how he used well there and not good? Of course. Did you notice oh, that? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> His wife must be an English teacher. <laughs> I, so I'm, I'm an English major. There you go. Oh, there you go. Same. I knew it. I, I love engineers um, and, uh, you know, all STEM professionals. That's, that's what I'm all about now. But uh, my background definitely is is much more in the English than in uh, the engineering side of stuff. It is acknowledged and appreciated. Yeah, I would have used the word good. <laughs> so as, so well, oh, I would have too. <laughs> I'm like thinking about my words now. I would have uh, about well. 15 years ago. <laughs> but now I have, I've been corrected over time so uh so jake you mentioned uh something just a few minutes ago and that is the word mentoring and anytime i hear that my ears perk up and thoughts start racing through my mind about how people can can help out um if if somebody listening is interested in being a mentor or or if there's a company i guess that is interested in being a mentor how do they get involved with this uh this competition Absolutely. So mentoring is a really big part of Future City, a really important part. Um, like I said, every team, typically, we try to try to make sure that every team has a mentor. Um, and sometimes that mentor comes from somebody who, you know, it's, it's someone who the teacher knows, or maybe it's a parent of one of the students. But often it's someone who who isn't previously connected with a team. Um, and so they they sign up at futurecity.org. They, they sign up as a mentor. And then their local regional coordinator, their future city regional coordinator, will match them with a team who's looking for a mentor. Um, and especially starting this year, you know, there's all kind of options for whether you are able to meet once a week or every couple of weeks, um, or whether everything is done virtually over email and, and Skype or Zoom. Um, there's a lot of options depending on what your able and interested in doing. Um, the mentor is really invaluable to the Future City experience because they they show what it's like. They show what it's like to be doing the work that they do. They're passing along what interests them and what they're doing every day. They're sharing about the work that they do. Um, all kinds, like on, at every level of stuff, it's, it means so much to have that role um, that interaction. Um, one of the things we hear all the time is just the concept of scale when the kids are making their models. That's, that's, if you've never done anything with scale, if you never thought about that before, that can be a pretty tricky concept. Um, and so, you know, you say, okay, we've, we've got this thing, we've got this thing, let's put them together in our model. Um, to have someone say, those are two cool things, but if the size of a tree is this and the size of a car is this, that's, not going to work for scale. Um, kids understand that better when you have someone who can kind of show them, okay, here's an example of, you know, when I was at work today, I used scale in presenting this um, or, or doing this here. So being able to, to be that window um, really, really makes a big difference. Um, and it really uh, is a way to approach a complicated project with more context. That really means a lot. Um, when I have been a, uh, the program coordinator for future city for four years, 
Um, but before that, um, I was a participant of the program when I was in middle school myself. So I've kind of seen it from both sides and having that experience of, of working with someone who kind of, has, it, that's what they do as their profession. They, they're an expert um, and someone like that treating you as a peer, not as like, you know, oh, you're just a kid who's doing something, but saying, you know, you talking to you as um, as if you were a colleague, that has a really big impact. That's really um, powerful when, you know, often young people don't get treated that way. Um, so it, it, it's very, very important in the, the scheme of uh, learning about sim concepts. So two questions. Um, first, just to clarify, do does a mentor need to be a registered or like a licensed professional is my first question. And the second question is, is there a way for a company to get involved? If a company wanted to get involved, could they be like a sponsor or something like that? What opportunities are there? Yes, two excellent questions. Um, so the first is no, you do not need to be a specifically licensed um, engineer or um, you know I I anybody who is either in the engineering field, a surveyor, city planning, someone in that STEM community, as long as you are um, interested in um, participating as either a, a judge um, or a mentor, um, uh, they're, they're, uh, those, those volunteer positions are, are available and um, there's more information at futurecity.org. Um, for ways to get involved, there are a lot of ways at both the regional and the finals level for organizations, companies, um, professional societies, all kinds of uh, groups like that to, to get involved. Um, there are a number of different sponsorship levels, depending on um, what you're interested in. Um, at futurecity.org, um, there is a find my region option at the top of the page where you can see all the contact information for every um, regional coordinator. Those are the folks who run the local competitions. They run the regional programs. Um, and if you're interested in a specific area, um, a specific geographic area, you can reach out to them and see what kind of sponsorship opportunities there are. If you're interested um, and at the national, international level, um, you can reach out to info, I-N-F-O, at futurecity.org. Um, and we will be happy to talk to you about kind of opportunities that are there. Um, there are general sponsorship opportunities. There's also um, one of the really great ways that um, companies can get involved is by sponsoring a special award. Um, so these are awards at both the regional and finals level that are focused on a specific area. Um, and so, for example, the National Council of Examiners for Engineering and Surveying sponsor an award in pretty much every future city region. Um, and it's the best land surveying practice award. So at every future city regional competition, that award is, is something that a, a team will win. And then also at the finals level as well. Yeah. Um, and so maybe not every team will incorporate surveying into their project, but a lot of them do because they'll look through that list of, oh, there's a special award we're eligible for. That's best land surveying practicing. Don't think <laughs> what is the best lands remain practices. Like what, what does that mean? Um, and just as a lot of kids, this is their first introduction to engineering. It's their first introduction to surveying because they see this and they're like, okay, how do we win this award? And they'll start researching it and they'll incorporate that into their projects. Um, sometimes very overtly because they're want to win that special award. Um, so there's a lot of different types of special awards um, and companies often kind of target it to you know, what their interest is. 
Um, and then they will have uh, judges who, you know, meet with the teams, talk with them, see their work, um, and then evaluate it based on whether it fits those those criteria. Hmm. Wow, I got so many ideas running through my head right now. It's crazy. Um, one more question on that note. Could a mentor, an individual mentor, live in California and mentor a team in Illinois? Is that doable or do you have to like be in the same state or general area? Yeah, that's definitely doable. Especially, I mean, especially this year, we've had um, teams that are in one place and uh, their mentors in on the totally different coast. Um, and that's something that has been another kind of like, you know, silver lining sort of um, is, you know, realizing that teams can do a lot virtually. So it's totally, totally fine to have a mentor who, you know, if they're engaged and they're, you know, committed to, to working with the team and showing off their, um, their experience and, and helping that way. Yeah. If you can do that virtually, that's great. That's awesome. <laughs> we've, we've had teams this year at finals who, never once did any of the members of the team actually meet in person this year. And they were still able to do a full, wow. a full project, complete their, their project and do a great job with it. So it's, it's, you know, the, the kids are resilient and the teams are very adaptable and impressive. So you're saying for 2021, this is the, the future city is virtual, all this good stuff. And, and, are you going to keep that moving forward or is it going to fall back into the more traditional route moving forward? What's, what's the future plan? Yeah, we're definitely hoping to have the program be back in person um, as soon as it's safe to do so. Um, still too early to kind of confirm for sure for this next upcoming season, but we're, we're hopeful that we'll be able to go back to, to in person. Um, but, you know, there, there are like the, the idea of, you know, having a mentor who's not necessarily in the same state as you. There are elements from having done things virtually that can be adapted into the regular in-person competition as well. But there's definitely something very valuable about being able to be in a room with, you know, with the judges, with the teams, um, being able to like present in person and, and have those interactions. We, we did the, the Q and a over zoom and, and it actually went very well. Um, a lot of the, um, you know, that those kind of interactions of, you know, having judges, be interested in learning about the work that the kids did and having the kids be able to like show off their, their really creative and innovative design and all their research that they did that still came through. Um, but there is something really nice about being able to be in person and, and present it, uh, present it live. So Jake, I want to give you an opportunity to really drive home the point and that point, the point of um, the importance of volunteering and the role that volunteers play in this, uh, this competition. Definitely. So um, from my experience on both levels of both being a program coordinator as a staff member doing Future City from there and also as a student who uh, experienced it as a middle school student, um, that those interactions of uh, with the mentor and also with those with the judges, um, it has such such a powerful impact um, on young people. Um, and one of the really cool things about Future City is it's not a super quick and done thing. It takes several months, this project. It's a, it's a long-term project. Students typically start late August, early September, and it goes through the competitions in January, February. Um, it's something that they've been working on 
on a number of levels for a while. And they, they know this work really inside and out. They've done a lot of research. They've worked together collaboratively as a team. Um, and then to be able to share that with people and have, have these professionals listen to that um, and treat it with respect and, and think about it um, you know, in, that, in that way with the giving it weight um, is, is very important. And especially for that, you know, that, that age range, um, 11, 12, 13, it's a time when a lot of people fall off of STEM. Um, even if you were earlier than that, really interested in STEM and science and tech and math and engineering, uh, it's a time where it's easy to fall off of that before high school. Um, and so whether a program like, and it doesn't have to be Future City, but whether a program like Future City is either the introduction to those concepts and that work and what that involved, is involved with that, or whether it's a bridge to getting students into high school and still being interested in that, um, it's, it's a, a pretty critical uh, uh, activity to have if we want to have people continuing in these fields for sure. Fantastic. Uh, quick thank you to the lovely Carrie. She just refilled my beer. <laughs> That's awesome. So Jake, uh, your energy and enthusiasm and passion for this program is, is evident. What are you like, what keeps you motivated and what are you most excited about moving forward? Um, I would say probably two, two things. Um, one is we heard from, me and my colleagues heard from an educator recently who said that she had a student, had a couple students who were really thankful that Future City happened this year because it was like one of the only normal things that they got to do in, in school this year. Um, and when we first started making the adjustment, the shift to virtual, we were like, we don't know if anyone will, will be interested in doing this. It's a, it's a big change. We don't know if something people will want to do. Um, and to have that response where people were like, you know, this has been a challenging year, it's been hard, and it was very rewarding to have something that kind of felt normal and, and was, you know, a, a kind of regular thing that we did in previous years. That was very positive. Um, the other kind of thing that I would say motivates me about this is um, I'm aware that I won't solve any major infrastructure problems or minor infrastructure problems or fix any sustainability issues or environmental issues or major energy problems or transportation problems. Um, but each year, 45,000 kids do Future City. Wow. And I promise you, I can guarantee, I will put money on, speaking of betting, I'll, I'll put money on, <laughs> there will be important problem solvers in the next generation who did Future City and who were got to where they were in part by going through this process of problem solving and project management and learning about the engineering design process. Um, I, I guarantee it. I, uh, so, so that's something that definitely motivates me and, and um, I'm, I'm excited about and excited to, to see it happen. That's awesome. So Jake, besides yourself, who, what, what, I'm considering you a success story as it pertains to this program. Is there another story <laughs> that you want to, you know, tell the listeners about like a, you know, a kid that went through the program that is now whatever, you know, the CEO of uh, Diamondback Lancer Bank. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There's, there are every year we have a different alum of the year who, you know, amazing people have accomplished amazing things. 
Um, and even, even more recently than that, there are stories that come up of teams that are inspired by working together on Future City or, or the work that they did on Future City. We had um, a, a couple years ago, a team from Texas that um, uh, they won the Future City competition at finals. Um, and there were um, representatives from UL Underwriters Laboratory, mm. laboratories who were really impressed by their work. They asked the team to present at uh, one of their conferences. Someone there was really impressed by the work that the kids did. A part of their city involved um, having clean drinking water. Um, and this professional reached out to the team and said, you know, we're, we're working on these very specific kind of water filtration systems. I want to show you it. Um, long story short, this all led to the team actually going to the Dominican Republic and installing themselves these um, water filtration systems oh um, for some people wow. who really needed it. Wow. Um, and that was, you know, just uh, that was a year after they did Future City. Um, mm. So it's it's something where those ideas of problem solving, you know, that, that kicks in right away. There's yeah. you, know, you have some resources and you can really accomplish a lot. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> well, Jake, I know uh, I'm not sure if you've listened to a few episodes before, but this is our go-to question. Uh, do you have a mantra that you live by? Yes. So I would say um, as far as a mantra, let's say sort of advocate for what you're passionate about. Um, that can be big things. It can be big philosophical ideas, um, but it could also be just be small little things, you know, like if, um, you know, there's a movie you really like sharing that, that just makes the world better. Um, I love that you guys start the the podcast with the song because, you know, sharing music that you like, it's a little thing, but it really, um, it just makes everything brighter. It makes everything better. Um, so I think that sharing, advocating for what you're passionate about at whatever level that is, um, I would say that's closest to, to a mantra that I have. It's pretty solid. Yep. No, that's great. That's great. So, I mean, I've gotten through everything I had. Do you guys got anything you want to add to this? Anything, any other questions? No, thank you for doing all this that you do with this. This is awesome with the kids. Yeah. Is there anything? Everything with kids. I'm for it. Absolutely. Jake, is there anything else that maybe we haven't touched on that you want to get out there? Um, well, I just want to thank you all for having me as a guest. I really appreciate it. I um, love being on and you introduced me to the podcast. So I've been you know, listening to some older episodes. I'm looking forward to listening to more. Um, so thank you for that. Um, I'd also just say, um, I mentioned before, but, you know, our our um, finals award celebration is happening April 7th. Um, so everybody who's interested, I definitely encourage you to log on. It You can hear about what Future City is, but until you kind of see it, you won't get the full picture of it. So if you're interested, definitely encourage folks to, to watch that. Check us out on YouTube. We're eWeek. Future City. So that's E as in engineering yep. week, Future City. Facebook, Future City Competition. The website's futurecity.org. And we also have, last thing I'll say is we have um, our People's Choice Voting open now, um, open from now through April 2nd. So if you go to vote.futurecity.org, anybody can vote for uh, the um, finalist the team uh, that they uh, would like to see win the People's Choice Award. We've got some pictures of the models up, um, some videos of the moving parts. So if you're interested in seeing um, kind of what what some of just some of the work is that they've been doing, um, and then voting for the one that uh, that you like, 
um, that will be open through April 7, uh, April 2nd uh, at vote.futurecity.org. So awesome, Jake. Thank you so much for your passion and your enthusiasm as it pertains to uh, the Future City competition and uh, program in general. And we will definitely make sure that we um, promote and post all the different websites that you mentioned as well. So we I will smell next week's pod word. <laughs> <laughs> we will definitely uh, we will definitely do our part to get this out there. It's a it's a fantastic program. And uh, I, again, thank you for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. All right, cool. So there you have it, folks. Uh, Clearly yet another value-adding, friend-making episode. As I mentioned earlier, keep up with all things Geoholics by liking and subscribing to all of our social media outlets, especially Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. Send us an email at info at thegeoholics.com if you'd like to be a guest on a future show. The vetting process doesn't hurt a bit, I promise. No way. Or if you have any content. We're gentle. Any content suggestions or ideas, or uh, or if you want to tell us we suck, just send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Be sure to support all of our friends of the program as the Geoholics would not exist without them. And if you mention that you're a Geoholic listener, they will quickly become not only friends, but friends with benefits, as they say. <laughs> Finally, pay it forward. Give to get. Happy St. Patrick's Day and be safe and healthy, everybody. Once again, thank you to our friends of the program, Aerotech Mapping, Inc. at ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc. at AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS at Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley at CobbFenley.com, Cyanic Automation at CyanicAutomation.com, Diamondback Land Surveying at DiamondbackLandSurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey at GetKidsIntoSurvey.com. Land Surveyors United at LandSurveyorsUnited.com. Mentoring Mondays at MentoringMondays.xyz. Monson Engineering at MonsonEngineering.com. Parkland Community College at Parkland.edu slash LandSurveying. Safety Apparel at SafetyApparel.us. Tiger Supplies at TigerSupplies.com.